Hey, this is Chuck, and you are listening to Fans with Bands, the podcast where we talk to the fans and the bands they dig about life, music, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. Today on Fans with Bands, we are talking to Chris DuPont. Check it out. Hey, this is Chuck with Fans with Bands, and I'm talking to Chris DuPont and fan Adam. How are you guys doing? Doing really good, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Doing good. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for joining. It's, uh, you know, even though it's zoom and I know we're probably all getting zoom fatigue after a year of, uh, pandemicing and not being able to, to, uh, be together, it's still cool to be able to see you guys and, and have a little chat. So, um, I usually like to start things off with the fans and see like how they became fans of the artist, in this case, Chris. So Adam, how did you become a fan of Chris? So basically I met Chris at a couple outdoor concerts and a couple indoor uh, concerts here in Detroit when he uh, came down. And I'm then uh, we found out that we were both music church music directors. So we, so we kind of hit it off there. Very nice. Very nice. Do you remember uh, what shows those were? Was it uh, Uh, it church related or was it not? I don't think so. Um, They were mostly young adult related. Uh, One of them was actually in a pastor's patio backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Royal Oak. Yep. Royal Oak. Oh, I remember. Oh, I'm so glad you're at that. That's that's what's funny is that uh, another fan of mine, uh, his name's his name's now Father Drew. His name's <laughs> but I I knew him when he was just Drew, and uh, we met in college, and he's just been a longtime fan. And then I feel like I just blinked an eye, and he was wearing a collar, and I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize that had been going on. And Drew's actually just a, a huge sweetheart, and always has been. And then he remained a fan, and um when he got posted at a church he like hired me in to do a couple concerts and i was thinking okay do you want me to like sing like like a hymn or something at the end he's like no no i just want you to do your thing oh really yeah and i was like should i like watch my language like i don't care just come do your thing and so i played (laughs) on like a, a pastor's patio and i played in like a church narthex and it was actually like a couple of my favorite shows adam like those shows you're referring to because like um and it's it's one thing i've really been grateful for is that my music seems to go over really well like with um people that have no faith background and it also goes like strangely well with like church ladies (laughs) i don't know what maybe it's just reeking of wholesomeness but like Those are those are a couple of really memorable shows, and Adams continued to be a great friend. And here and there, we'll uh, we'll like swap music resources. And uh, um, I've come and been a guest at the church he works at a couple times, and it's been great keeping in touch. Very cool, very cool. That's awesome. So, Chris, uh, your new album "Floodplains" came out recently. Uh, I had the pleasure of getting to listen to it a little bit in advance, and I was totally blown away. I think it's probably one of the best i mean i've i've loved your music you know from day one when i first met you uh, years ago after seeing you i think you i think the first time i saw you was you were playing guitar with abigail stouffer at uh top of the park and then i saw you again uh with francis luca cord at uh, johnny speakeasy um but anyway this new album so fantastic i just can't tell you how much i love it uh 
but I have a question about it. And that is the music, I mean, the arrangements, uh, your, your performance is really good, but um, from listening to the lyrics and also reading interviews you've done, it's you know clear that the subject matter is, is difficult. Um, talking about difficult times as you, you've gone through. And I'm wondering, do you, do you have any sense of like when you perform these live, um, any difficulty, any like kind of reliving any of those emotions or is it more of a, a cathartic experience where you're kind of releasing what you had gone through? Oh, wow. That's such a parade of kind words and wonderful questions. Um, um, so in a sense, it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. But strangely, I will say the material on floodplains mostly feels great to perform. Most of it feels cathartic. Most of it feels like a release. And thankfully, there isn't a whole lot of what, what you could call re-triggering going on. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. Um, <clears throat> for one thing, I've always been drawn to slower music and ballads and um, really intimate songs and with floodplains even though that intimacy is still there and that yeah. tenderness is still there i feel like there's a lot more energy on this record than my previous endeavors like you've got retrieve that's very aggressive you've got jacket and buried that are more bouncy mm -hmm. and even the slower songs like sandpaper hymn definitely have like a an edge there's like stuff i can dig my teeth into when i'm performing right so since the songs themselves feel like they have momentum and an energy that pushes them forward rhythmically mm -hmm. they are much easier to get through than even my past records were because though the subject matter is much heavier i feel i, I get a lot more joy out of playing them they're also a little more difficult to play and sing like they're not written at 70 percent of my talent level they're written <laughs> like 102 percent of my talent level um <laughs> So I have to stay on my toes and that's, that's a big, that's a big joy. So I, I feel like the, the content of the music is enjoyable and intriguing enough to me that I don't really get bogged down in sorrow. That, that's good. That's good. And I was wondering, uh, because you, it seems like your, your guitar playing has gone up just a notch as far as like what you're doing. And I was curious, like, um, was, was that a conscious effort on your part or was it just like you were trying to craft these songs and to get to, to get the, the song you wanted, you had to like dig in and find a way to make it happen. Oh man. I love your questions. So um, it's sort of a yes or no answer because I've actually always been primarily a guitar player. And um, what's funny is before I was Chris DuPont, I was always, a sideman like you saw you've seen me play for other artists yep. i yep. love playing for other artists i've been in bands as a showy guitar player and i became a solo artist kind of by accident back when myspace existed my little demos started getting me good bookings and i had to figure out how to perform so in my record outlier um which is you know back in 2015 i was really purposely calming down what i could do on the guitar to focus on trying to be a lyricist and a singer to try gotcha. and go that way and for floodplains i kind of just said screw it <laughs> i don't care like i i i don't really care if i'm known as a writer or a guitar player or a singer and depending on who you talk to it can be any of them yeah 
I just decided I love to play the guitar. I get excited about busy guitar work. So I kind of just took my filter off. I stopped stripping things down. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So there definitely are songs like Retrieve that took. I love that song, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That one took very conscious guitar engineering to write. Yeah. Because there's all these wacky pull-offs and harmonic parts, and there's lots of math to figure out how to make it work. Um, so there were songs where there was a, a very concerted effort to make the guitar playing a step further from what I've done before. And then there are other songs where I just stopped calming it down. So hopefully, hopefully overall it ended up, you know, leveling out to be a, a fun guitar record. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, and uh, like we touched on a little earlier, it's got lots of dimensions, you know, you've got lots of, um, cool arrangements in there that make the songs, uh, you know, n nothing wrong with your earlier music, but I feel like this is again, like a, kind of a step up because of those arrangements are really full. And I was wondering, in, was it Nick that worked with you from Francis Luca Chord? Yes, it was. Right. Yeah. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. So we've got, um, Mary has joined. Mary, can you hear us? Definitely can. Yes. All right. So, um, so Mary, we, we got Adam's story as far as how he became a fan of, of Chris. How did you become a fan of Chris DuPont? Oh, we met uh, through church and he <laughs> sang a song that resonated in my life and it resonated in his and I talked to him about it and that's where it started. Awesome. Awesome. How, uh, how long ago was that? Um. I don't know, going on close to two years, maybe. Oh, very I don't cool. Know. I'm guessing. Cool. <laughs> and Mary's a, also just a, I mean, primarily a dear friend. And uh, we've, we've both uh, also kind of, if you don't mind my saying, Mary, we've like walked side by side through some fascinating like family grief stuff at the same time. So we've been coffee pals through a lot of that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What a friend. <laughs> Nice. Very cool. You got to have a good friends in life. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it by yourself, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, with fans with bands, I like to turn it around to the fans to see if they have any questions and let you guys ask Chris things. So uh, Adam or Mary, do you guys have any questions you want to ask Chris? And it's okay if you don't, I can, I can keep running. Uh, not really a question, but maybe a comment. Uh, Chris, I'm about 25% of the way through uh, the Buried Giant right now. And, and I can see some connections with the song. Am I going to keep finding more and more? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you will. Um, you definitely will. So she's referring to The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro, who was a Nobel Prize winner in literature. He wrote this song, uh, this, sorry, this novel called The Buried Giant, which is about generational trauma, really. And it's about um, a kind of sort of a post-Arthurian Britain. Oh. And it's so it's written in this age of dragons and pixies and giants and stuff. And it's funny because Ishiguro uses genre, but never. It's never not an Ishiguro novel. 
he always uses genre merely as a vehicle to tell a story about memory and the human heart and mind. And I was so taken by this book that I kind of turned buried into something of a book report with chords. <laughs> <laughs> so I directly reference spots in the book because um, it, it talks a lot about, it, it asks a lot of questions about memory and the unreliability of memory and what happens to memory when a, when a whole culture goes through a collective trauma. Uh-huh. And it also asks a lot of questions about death and the afterlife and what's, what's after this. And is there, is there hope beyond that, you know, that road that we all have to walk alone. And so, yeah, I think you'll find that the last verse of the song is kind of based around the final chapter of that book. And there's sort of this, this feeling I got after reading that book that just haunted me for days and I had to just reread the whole book again so I, th- I think you will keep seeing stuff that will bring back certain lines of that tune for sure oh now i gotta check this book out <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you <laughs> that's awesome so was it like it sounds like the the book and your songwriting for floodplains were going on at the same time did you um did you feel that it was it, it sounds like it was having some influence on you um were there other influences that were going on? I mean, besides the personal stories that you're re- reflecting, but other, other um, books or um, things you were listening to that were kind of feeding your creativity? Oh, I love that question. So <clears throat> um, there are a couple authors that fed into my ideas for the record. So Floodplains was initially going to be an, a, mem- a, a, a record about memory. And in many ways, that's what happened. A lot of these songs are my retellings of things. Sometimes they are my delusional retellings of things, my exaggerated Mm -hmm. retellings. And I leaned into that because human memory is just such a tricky beast. Yeah. And what got me thinking about that and fascinated with that was partially the the novels of Ishiguro, the buried giant and all his others too. I'm, I'm sort of a, an obsessive, reader where if I find an author I like I buy everything they have and I stay on a kick so I was reading Ishiguro and I was also reading this novelist Jesse Ball who is sort of a modern day Franz Kafka kind of guy but oh really yeah but with more of a narrative like it's okay not not as chaotic but there is a lot of (laughs) uh, um a lot of the absurd makes its way into the plots and he asks lots of questions about memory as well um, he had a book called Silence Once Begun, which was a novel that was written as if it was investigative journalism. Mm-hmm. And it's a series of interviews with the family members of this deceased character. And the interviews felt so real to me. And I was convinced that it was historical fiction, but it's not. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this this book asks a lot of questions about memory and truth and personal truth and that stuck with me as well. So the, these two novelists really left a big mark on my writing. And um, musically speaking, I was really high off Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens, of course. Yeah. And um, that, that record, not just as a album, but also as a body of work, because if you ever see Sufjan Stevens live, um, the album Carrie and Lowell is very acoustic, very 
very calm and there's these little moments where you think they might veer into like this will destroy you post rock <laughs> territory and it never goes there right until you go to the live show and they do it oh really yes oh wow now that would be cool yes like <laughs> Where on the record, they sort of imply with washy guitars that maybe a post-rock breakdown is coming, but it doesn't. You go to the live show, and the drummer is just going through blast beats for six minutes solid. Wow. Yeah, and so you know that, that, that experience really um, shaped some of Floodplain. It's just this idea of doing what you feel like doing yeah. and seeing if it works later. Um, so yeah, the, and, and, I, and I mean, you know, Julia Cameron... Um, uh, who wrote uh, The Artist's Way. A lot of her ideas about creating art before you judge it definitely made its way into into floodplains. Cool. Very out. cool. Awesome. I love it when uh, you kind of get some of the, the the story behind the music as far as, you know, what what may have played and influenced it, whether it's, you know, what you had for breakfast or, you know, you love bacon, so you have a song about bacon or something, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> find it anywhere it doesn't always have to be devastating <laughs> all right so uh any other questions adam or, or mary no chris no. i was chris i was wondering if you could go into a little bit deeper um i did see your instagram stories when you were doing the behind the scenes of each uh, track off of your album i was wondering if you can dig a little bit more deeper into uh, the sandpaper hymn that one struck out to me. Wow. Thanks for saying that. Um, as you know, oh, I could talk about sandpaper him <laughs> till tomorrow. Um, so I wrote sandpaper him um, as something of a, is a song that was written during the death of a marriage. Um, and I think I did try to think of some stuff that's not in that write up that I put up. Um, Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, it's about the death of a relationship and sort of that feeling of kind of desolation and feeling like a loss is on its way and sort of feeling like stooped over and closed in and not knowing what your life is going to look like next. And as I was writing this song, um, I... I had I had to st during during the end of a of a marriage or the change of a family shape you have to spend a whole lot of time with yourself a whole lot of time dealing with with me with this guy right here what am I going to turn into because there's no sense entering into another partnership if you're still um perpetuating the same problems that were yep. that yep. you were responsible for in the first place and so um a lot of sandpaper him was a good look at me um, it wasn't as much a, a look at, you know, this partner, but a look at myself and um, there's moments of just feeling betrayed. Like how could you ignore the good that I've done? Um, but then I also had to acknowledge, you know, some of my own garbage. There's a line in there um, that I'm sure my family's less than stoked about, but um, <laughs> I, it's, it's a song about friends reaching out for help and you're avoiding them because you're ashamed. And, you know, my, I'm, keeping just out of reach of friends who want to help me. I know they see me for what I am and have no heart to tell me. And then I talk about, I have this line. I am the circularity of my father's speech and flashes of a mother's rage at every water breach. And what I'm talking about is the fact that my father and I literally talk in circles. Um, it's a thing that we do. And you're either 
we're, we're DuPonts. You'll love us or you hate us. Cause we're <laughs> and, um, and then mother's rage. My mom is just like this go getter power woman, just fierce. Like she's like five foot one of pure fury. And um, she, she has this way of really sticking to her principles. And when I talk about um, every water breach, I'm talking about um, the idea of a ship being watertight. My mom like really wants watertight truth. And if she sees a breach in the hall, she's just, she is just furious. And so I'm sort of this mix of the two of them where I am sort of a, a chameleon, something of a, person who blends in and likes to tell people what they want to hear, but I'm also someone who can really see in intense blacks and whites sometimes. And I have a very hard time living in the gray. And I was come, you know, staring down the barrel of being someone who was basically a professional Christian, which is a, a really difficult place to be. Um, and I was grappling with that and not sure if that was something I wanted to carry much longer and both my ex-wife and I, both of us were, were in ministry. Both of us were um, music directors at churches, and we were very publicly doing this work. And so I was like, what's going to happen to me? You know, yeah. what's my community going to say? Um, speaking of talking in circles, Adam, were there like certain spots that you wanted to hear more about? Like, I'm, I'm curious to hear what, if I'm answering the question or if I'm dodging it. <laughs> No, you're answering the question perfectly. <laughs> it's, I haven't listened to the album since I purchased it. I mean, I've listened to it once, okay. but I really haven't delved deep into it. I just recall seeing that Instagram story. So it was like, oh, I wish you could go a little bit more deeper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, um, I, it's, it's a lot about just like trying to heal up and trying to, let that grief turn you into something better rather than turning into a grouchy old man, you know? <laughs> Where did the title come from? Cause I imagine a sandpaper hymn being something that's, that's reshaping. Um, but it's, it's a, you know, reshaping spiritually is how I kind of took the title, but I wasn't sure if that's where it came from. Very much so. Okay. Very much so. Um, so um so the hymn part is referring to the fact that it it literally is structured like a hymn Damn. four verses and there's no chorus and um even the melody was sort of tr i tried to build it as if it was a hymn like the melody okay. that way and oh my gosh just really i'm fidgeting with two sticks and i'm seeing, <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness this is a podcast not a video um, right. <laughs> um and uh yeah the sandpaper element was um there's this, this line in there, like, let every splintered corner be sanded clean and round. I wanted to imagine, you know, sometimes life feels like this massive sanding block that's just scraping and causing abrasions on your surface and taking things away. And I wanted to imagine if I'm, if I'm like a chunk of wood exposed to a sanding block, like, may it make me smoother. You mm -hmm. know? May it make me into something that's not going to scrape people, not going to unravel people's sweaters when they walk by <laughs> so yeah very literally like a, a spiritual and emotional reforming that's very I'm, I'm really glad that came through cool uh mary adam you guys got any other questions or i'll i'll run with it good good all right cool so um 
Chris, I'd like to kind of get the origin story. And you talked a little bit about being, you know, uh, a guitar player for hire. Um, but I think I read that you came from a hardcore background, like Christian hardcore in Grand Rapids. Is this true? Yeah. <laughs> so that blew my mind when I read that. I was like, what the hell? Because you, you just seem so, you know, very nice, calm man. And, uh-huh. uh, and I, you know, I'm a heavy metal, hardcore, not, not as much hard, uh, hardcore but heavy metal and so i kind of get the 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 where i think you're coming from because a lot of people i know that are into more extreme musics they tend to be just really calm easygoing folks and i'm just curious like how did that how did you more morph from hardcore into singer songwriter that you are today <laughs> i love this um <laughs> so um I my tastes I mean I've always loved heavier music. I still listen to the Deftones more often than I listen to James Taylor. <laughs> I loved the Deftones and Circus Survive and um yeah and I, I love just loud stuff. I love loud pop rock, I love metal. Yeah. And but I was raised on Bonnie Raitt and Jim Croce and James Taylor. Um, and like, and then, you know, my dad sang at weddings and church services to like, you know, old dusty Catholic hymnal too. So, Uh um, so I joined a hardcore band when I was 17 and sort of like this melodic hardcore type of band. And in the, I want to say early two thousands, there was kind of this wave of, more spiritual or religiously affiliated people making punk rock and hardcore. Yeah. It was a fascinating scene. And what's interesting is that bands like Norma Jean and under oath who ended up kind of taking over the warp tour circuit, um, started out as very like kind of preachy Christian bands. Wow. And then eventually turned into something else. Um, but I, I want to say, I have all these theories as to how this came up, but in the early 2000s, um, a lot of the heavier punk, hardcore, and metal stuff was from Christian bands. And sort of this, a couple labels sprung up to make this happen, and a lot of young kids got into it because, as was the case with me, their parents were freaked out by their kids getting into or whatever and so you could just say oh it's a christian band it's a christian festival and your parents would be like okay fine <laughs> i think for a lot of us that was we had the language of our childhood of of, uh, of faith and and we had this heavy music we loved and we had to find a way to combine them and so in west michigan that was happening to a crazy degree there was a big scene for it and um uh so were you playing guitar then? I, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just like went off into the imagination. <laughs> <into laughs> yes, yeah, so I was playing guitar in this hardcore band, and um, uh, actually, funny thing, I wasn't singing at all. And now I I basically sing for a living, but I, I wasn't yeah. singing at all. And I, I was in this, but I I loved you know composing riffs and playing this band. We traveled a bit, we recorded, and um, after that band split up um a couple friends and i and my sister who was our drummer cool we started a screamo band that kind of we were kind of like under oath light (laughs) you're like 
budget taking back Sunday, you know? (laughs) And what happened at the time was um, when I was in the hardcore band, like this sounds like a joke, but I almost got kind of like, I got like a come to Jesus meeting, no pun intended. I got like a kind of a disciplinary meeting because like I was listening to too much Sarah McLachlan. Oh really? Yeah. Like (laughs) they're like, Hey, we're not, we're not, writing enough songs and chris is just like listening to like soft piano ballad stuff from Lilith fair can you can you please get with the program because i just loved softer music i was really into this uh like jewel and tori amos and casey stratton and oh yeah yeah you gotta love that too man (laughs) i was into that stuff and i loved like dashboard confessional and like more acoustic emo and um and so i made a little demo in my basement in the era of MySpace and in Grand Rapids, the intersection called me up to open for this artist, Tony Luca, who's been on the voice and oh, yeah. great singer songwriter. And I went, Oh, maybe this is what I do now. <laughs> so I'm getting better bookings than my bands are, which I'm, I don't know how to process. And so I, I just start kind of doing it. And I, and eventually I got to open for need to breathe and some other cool bands like that. And, um, and mind you, I wasn't good. I really, <laughs> if anyone finds my old stuff, I'll, I will pay you to not listen to it. Um, and then I, you know, I moved to Ann Arbor and, um, and uh, my friend Katie Lee, who's a fantastic songwriter, took me to see Iron and Wine at the Ann Arbor Folk Festival. And I saw the way he handled his guitar and his voice and his writing. And I was like, I'm scrapping everything and I'm starting over. And I did. And yeah. And then I um, eventually, you know, came out with Anxious Animal and, and kind of turned into the tender folk you see before you. But <laughs> Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, wh- when, when's, when were you, uh, excuse me, when did you move here to uh, Ann Arbor Ipsy area? I moved here in like 2009. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, I went to the, uh, to U of M for performing arts technology for recording and composition and stayed. Nice. Very cool. So uh, I'm wondering like, what do you think of the Ann Arbor Ipsy music scene? Do, do you feel that it's encouraging for, you know, independent artists as a whole? Uh, Cause I know that um, my own experience is, is mixed, especially um, as you get more toward the Detroit area. Uh, there seems to be less uh, and, and maybe it's just my perception, but it seems like there's less support for local artists and more at a national level, but Ann Arbor still seems to have that a little bit more of a, uh, a draw for uh, local art, local artists. And I was wondering if you, what do you think about that? How is the music scene treated you here? That's a great question. Um, and I have to just preface that I, my perspective is going to be incomplete. Um, but I, I love the Ann Arbor music scene. Um, I, I, I've, in my experience, it's been a very supportive one. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think because now that I've been in lockdown for a year, I'm trying to- <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to remember what it was like. <laughs> am I just, re- am I just reliving 2017 in my head? Um, but from what I've seen, um, you know, obviously all musicians have their their circles and it can get, you know, it can look like you've got your click. But 
But I've found that artists at many different levels are just incredibly kind and incredibly supportive. Um, you know, there's artists doing way bigger things than me that are always willing to help and always willing to lend a hand. Um, and I think, I think there's just generally a culture of being nice, you know? Yeah. Like, you look at the artists in Ann Arbor that are doing the biggest stuff, you know, you've got like, you know, Wolfpack came from here and, um, like, and Theo and, and Joe all come from here and their producer, Tyler, who's a great artist in his own right, um, works with like people that are national and globally known. But if you just run into Tyler and chat with him, he will stare you in the eye like you're the only person in the room. <laughs> um, and so, so I found that from top to bottom, I can't think of a single like jerk in the Ann Arbor music. <laughs> really hard i mean everyone's doing each other solids like like when i went and played um i, I had the pleasure of doing the ebird oh yeah yeah holiday show with with aaron and the ragbirds and whether you are whether you have thousands of people following you or you're just a little startup if you're doing something cool aaron and her crew want you around yeah and um and i found that um i i've just found that to be the case and i i hope that um um, that I act the same way. Like when I, when I see like a young artist doing something cool, I hope that I'm like giving the same type of encouragement that I got because um, I've always felt like Ann Arbor on the whole just had my back. Um, cool. And and in Detroit, I, I don't know as much about, about what's going on in Detroit, but I know um, like uh, Jason Singer from Michigan just moved there. Mm -hmm. He's a huge sweetheart. Uh, Madeline Grant lives there. Um, I know Jax Anderson, uh, f uh, formerly called Flint Eastwood, is working out of Detroit. And she's, you know, everyone I know that's doing big stuff in this area is also just a kind person. And I uh, I think that one, one thing that makes that very true is the, the personalities of the artists. I think one thing that makes Ann Arbor really special is that townies just love going to stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ann Arbor music, like... Uh, Ann Arbor Summer Festival is always jam-packed. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, we have sort of a rich heritage of people wanting to go, especially to songwriter shows. Like, we're really lucky that that exists here because that doesn't work everywhere, being a singer-songwriter. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, we've got the uh, the gem that is the Ark, which is pretty mm. cool. <laughs> I, pretty cool indeed, yeah. We're <laughs> without that place. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, so Adam, Mary, you guys got any questions or, you, or I can keep going. Well, I, uh, not to give away my age too much here, but just want to let you know that I saw Jim Croce in concert. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> long, long time ago. Um, but Chris, um, when I listen to retrieve, uh, what pops into my head tell me how far off base I am, is that it's evergreen waltz that's gone through hell. Whoa! Can I put that in my press sheet? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You mean, like, thematically? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I've never made that connection before, but now that you did, I'm obsessed. <laughs> um 
Oh, you know what? Yeah, Evergreen is like, hey, it's winter. Come outside. Retrieve it. Hey, it's hell. Come outside. Yes. Um. <laughs> wow. I'm just going to wow and think. On- <laughs> yes, I, I agree. And I'm going to have to go read both of them now and maybe cry a little bit. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm glad I made you wow, but I don't want to make you cry. <laughs> good cry. It's all good. Yeah. I gotta imagine it's kind of fun. I mean, to get uh, fans' reactions to songs and and find the um, like Mary had with that, you know, bringing up a connection you may not have necessarily thought of or been conscious of at all, but then you go like, "Wow, that's really cool." It's always cooler. I mean, I've had. Um, I've had people come and tell me what one of my songs is about. And I'll be like, is it about this? And I'll be like, yeah, because that's really way cooler than what I was going to say. I love it when someone else can superimpose their own characters onto it because usually the drama is even more fascinating and I love getting to hear it. That's cool. Awesome. I was curious um, if you, like, so obviously been in lockdown for the pandemic for going on a year plus now. Um, but when you, well, when we can go back and go see live music and you were offered a, a dream tour, who would you like to go on tour with and tour the country or the world? So my, my dream tour would be either Noah Gunderson or Gregory Allen Isakov. Oh, Cool. Both are a little lofty. <laughs> it's lofty. doable, Chris. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I would, those are my two. Um, I, th- those would be the dream for sure. You awesome. know, if I could even just opening like a run of four shows, I could go home and die a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were going to go see a show, um, who would you go see and where would you go? Okay. Well, besides those two that I would definitely go see, um, you know, I, as mentioned before, I've always wanted to see the Deftones. Um, I've always wanted to see Jimmy eat world, <laughs> you know, I'd love to see like Jimmy eat world at DTE. Drinking <laughs> <laughs> a stout and feeling like I'm 23 again. That's <laughs> Uh, Adam, how about you? Where would you uh, like to go see a show and who would you like to go see? Oh, man. Good question. (laughs) You know, I'm big with local artists. um, And right now, one of them who is also a church musician um, has been inviting me to his concerts. And every time I get an invite it always conflicts with my schedule uh yeah <laughs> uh, but it's uh another local musician uh adam uh Pomeridis. oh yeah he's awesome yep i have always wanted to see him <laughs> yeah where would you like to go see him oh wherever he plays wherever he plays usually it's not too far from me but cool. usually it Usually probably somewhere. I think he has gigs up in Ann Arbor, I believe, somewhere. Yeah. Get him up at the uh, at the arc stage. You can sit up right up front. It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Mary, how about you? Where would you, who would you like to see and where would you like to go? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to need more time on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We can come back. Uh, Cause I got another question for Chris and that was, uh, what was the, what was the first album you bought with your own money? Oh, I think it might have been the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I still love Seal. I mean, <laughs> I forgot. I think that is the one. <laughs> Oh my, well, you know, that's awesome. It's a good one. It's a good soundtrack. So nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, Adam, what was your first album? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was probably some dude off of, who won American Idol and <laughs> I just bought his <laughs> album. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, Mary, how about you? What was your first album you bought? Again, this is going to date me, um, but probably the soundtrack to uh, Romeo and Juliet. Who was it? Zeffirelli? I mean, we're oh. going back, back, back. Cool. Um, who directed it? I mean, I just fell in love with that album. Awesome. Very nice. So, uh, Chris, um, what are the plans going forward? I, do you have any shows lined up? Are you... Uh, thinking that things will open up enough so that you can get out there and do some promotion of the album? That's a great question. Um, I'm hoping to follow some of what I did last summer. Um, there are lots of really COVID conscious um, venues in Michigan that will throw outdoor socially distanced events. Yeah. Um, and provided the capacities are safe, um, I will do as much of that as I can. And I also am planning to do something that's inspired by tiny tops that Ann Arbor summer festival did and do little mini backyard house shows for people. Um, just like uh, actually this week, I think we're going to be putting out a, an announcement um, to let people know, you know, if you'd like a little serenade in which I am at least 20 feet away from you and yeah, backyard stuff. Cause like this music really thrives in that, that way. And so I think that'll be, that that is the hope is to do at least some like safe outdoor mini touring this summer for cool. sure. Cool. Do you think you'll um, pull in a full band or will it just be solo or mix? It'll be a mix. I mean, for outdoor stuff, it'll likely be me and uh, our cellist, and then maybe like another singer who plays a stringed instrument and keep like a, kind of a chamber feel. Yeah. Some solo stuff as well. Um, I kind of want to do full band stuff when when we can have a a stage, you yeah. know, when we can be loud and pump our fists and. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So when you're when you're not making music and and thinking about music, what what is a passion? Uh, another passion in your life, uh, creatively, creatively. Oh goodness, um, I don't know if this is creative, but I skateboard now. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, if you can, uh, if you can, if you can't tell by everything about me, I should have had a skateboard decades ago, um, but I, I'm longboarding a lot and that really helps me clear my head. Um, I actually uh, draw and illustrate quite a bit. Oh, 
Ooh. I'd like to get better at it, but I'm I'm a prolific doodler and um I love to to draw and um I carry, you know, pens and colored pencils with me when I'm when I'm at my best. Um and then even just um side creativity i mean i also when i'm not playing guitar i make beats and i I play with like synths and gadgets and samplers and i love to make music that doesn't sound like me (laughs) (laughs) awesome and uh i've got um oh geez what i was gonna say oh i was gonna ask you um so when you're doing the longboarding is that have you have you gone to the ann arbor skate park at all the Ann Arbor Skate Park? Yeah, over on uh, uh, by Vets Park. No, I haven't been there yet. It's uh, where is it now? It's over by Vets Park, like on uh, I think it's Miller, Miller in, in uh, Maple, that intersection right there. Okay, I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went there for the opening when it when it first opened up, and they had like I think Tony Hawk was there. Um, oh bunch of different you know, like local uh big name skaters and stuff so yeah kind of fun wow i have been told that like tony hawk i ride goofy <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's actually apparently like a normal way to have your feet on the board like left foot in the front and that's yeah. regular and then right foot first is goofy <laughs> <laughs> and so, so have you uh, like always wanted to, like, have you been skating your whole life or did you just take it up because you like, I want to start skating? You know, I had a skateboard when I was really little and I was just horrible at it, but I loved, you know, being on my rollerblades or being on my skateboard. And I, I just, and I didn't, there was no one around me to show me how to do anything. Uh-huh. I kind of had my driveway. And so I um had always been, attracted to like skater culture and um and i i knew a lot of i'd run into guys like from my work as a barista i'd run into you know other musicians that skateboarded and i just thought that that was so cool and (laughs) um and i uh during pandemic i just was honestly just getting really bored and lonely and um i never thought i'd be a longboard guy but i Mm -hmm. I realized that those are the the best way to like cruise and go fast. And um, it's, you know, they have a, the wheels are designed in a way that keeps like a really tight grip to the pavement. Yeah. And um, so you can just get a lot of pleasure out of it, just moving around. And so I just ordered one to try it and just kind of took to it like a duck to water. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm wondering, is, is it going to, uh, have an influence on the music now yeah maybe I, you know i think so yeah, <laughs> i think so i'm gonna i'm definitely i'll have to make an ep that's just for longboarding too you know? there you go <laughs> oh my homework list yeah yeah for sure man that'd be awesome well i really appreciate you guys taking the time to be here chris uh adam and mary um really great to talk with you and i've got just one last question for you guys it's a little bit controversial so you know if it's too controversial feel free to just bow out and be no opinion that's that's okay make it hurt chuck (laughs) and and the question is pineapple or no pineapple on pizzas chris (laughs) um 
I I am I'm fine with it. You're fine with it. All right. All right. I, I, is this a is this supposed to be a strong yes or no? You know, it's it's all over the board, but some people are like definitely like no, it, you cannot have pizza and pineapple together. No, and other people are like, oh, it's so good, savory, sweet and savory, or whatever. Wait, who's okay? I don't deal in absolutes. <laughs> Put pineapple on my pizza, and it's fine. <laughs> would you go out of your way, like if you had all the ingredients there? Would, it would pineapple be like one of that you go, oh yeah, I got to have that on there. Depending on how much bacon and barbecue sauce is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Adam, how about you? I'm for it. I mean, you go to pizza places where they have a Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. If you take the pineapple off the Hawaiian pizza, then that just defeats the purpose. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I'm for it. All right. Cool. And uh, Mary, how about you? I'm a ham purist, so um, I'm not going to want pineapple touching it yeah. on, on a pizza, on a pizza, right. but yep. if you just give me ham and pineapple on a plate, that's fine, but, but not on my pizza. Oh, wow. So that's a definite like line that you've created there. So I'm, Mary, I'm with you. I am not a pineapple on pizza person at all. I'm like, it's like... Fruit shouldn't be on pizza, period. And I, I don't want to mix in with any of the stuff. You know, the only fruit I need on that pizza is bacon. And then I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks again, guys, for being on Fans with Bands. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chuck. This was a joy. Thank you, Adam and Mary, for hanging out with me. It's great to have you as friends and also have you here on the call. Cool. All right, guys. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thanks again to Chris DuPont, as well as fans Adam and Mary, for joining me on this episode of Fans with Bands. Be sure to pick up a copy of Chris's latest album called Floodplains. It is a magnificent album that overflows with beautiful music and emotion. Keep your eyes peeled for live shows featuring Chris DuPont this summer. See the show notes for all the details and links. These are tough times for everyone in the creative industries, such as music. Your support of live streaming, purchasing music, and merchandise is critical. If you can help out your local artists, please do. If you are in the Michigan area, consider following the Playing in the Detroit Area Tonight Facebook page. It is a place for fans and bands to support each other and share our combined love of music. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service to get each and every episode of Fans with Bands. Spread the word by rating the show and leaving a comment. We want to hear what you think. You can keep in touch by following us on social media. This is a Life in Michigan production. Until next time, be well and kick out the jams. <laughs>